Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Shiva Musafarian, and before we begin, I'd like to encourage you to take our SoundBites podcast survey at psoriasis.org forward slash watch hyphen and hyphen listen. Let us know how you feel about SoundBites. We'd love to hear from you. So joining me today to discuss an issue that many of you may be familiar with, insurance denials for medical expenses, is a member of our Patient Navigation Center team, Elle Hurley, and Sam Koch, our state government relations manager who helps address policy change to access treatments in 17 states in the central region of the United States. As a patient navigator, Elle frequently receives calls and other messages about what to do and how to appeal a denial from an insurance company. You'll hear experience and advice, as well as from Sam, how step therapy plays a role in the insurance denial process and how changing policy can help people get access to effective treatment. Together, Sam and Elle will provide you with tips to address insurance denials with confidence. Welcome, Sam and Elle. Thank you so much for being on Soundbites today. So Elle, let's open up our discussion with defining some of the terms that are associated with an insurance denial. Can you identify some of the terms you usually hear? Yeah, so there are three different terms I wanted to go over because these tend to come up in my insurance discussions a lot. So first, there's the term prior authorization. This is the process where a patient has to first obtain their insurance plan's approval to get a treatment or service. This is also sometimes called pre-authorization. Next up is claim denial. This is just the insurance company's decision not to cover a treatment or a service. And finally, we're talking about appeals today, so this is the term appeal. This is the process a patient and or a provider can take when the insurance company denies a necessary treatment. So there are a lot of other terms that might come up when dealing with a denial, but this is a good place to start. Thank you so much, Al. What a great introduction. And Sam, Al mentioned insurance denials. What are some of the reasons why insurance denials usually occur? Well, there are many reasons that these insurance denials can occur. It could be due to simple clerical errors such as incorrect billing codes, misspellings, and so on. It could be that a specific treatment or medication is not on your formulary or that a particular provider isn't in your network. It could also be seen as not medically necessary or your insurance company wants you to step through more affordable treatment options first before covering the prescribed treatment. This, of course, is what we call step therapy. There could be a misunderstanding or missing details as part of the pre-authorization process, like L just defined. There are others, but these should sum up the most common reasons for such a denial. And L, as an NPF patient navigator, I'm sure you hear a lot of reasons for these insurance claim denials. What are the more common reasons you hear for these denials with people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis? Yeah, that's a great question. You definitely covered some of the reasons that I see most often. But I would say probably the most common are the treatment might not be on the insurance company's formulary. You mentioned formularies. The formulary is the list of drugs covered by an insurance plan. Another reason we see is that the patient might be subject to step therapy, which I know you mentioned. Step therapy is just a process that requires the patient to try and fail one or more treatments before the insurance company approves the treatment that their doctor prescribed. It's a little confusing, but 
We've got a lot of good resources if anyone's interested. Another good reason that happens a lot is that the treatment might not be considered medically necessary by your insurance plan. And then finally, I'd say my favorite reason, simple clerical errors. <laughs> and uh, it's my favorite because they're sometimes easy to fix. It's so true. So Sam, you mentioned step therapy as a potential reason for a treatment denial. In fact, a 2019 MPF survey of people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis found that 45% have experienced step therapy. Sam, can you please elaborate more on the practice of step therapy? Sure. So as Elle alluded to, step therapy refers to a process that an insurer or a payer puts in place that requires a patient to try a cheaper medication or treatment prior to being approved for coverage of their prescribed medication. Step therapy can be really troublesome for people with diseases like psoriasis. With psoriasis, patients may be required to try older immunosuppressing medications that can have potentially unpleasant or serious side effects before allowing the prescription of biologics with better safety records. One story I want to share briefly to illustrate this is about a woman I spoke with a couple weeks ago. She is one of our advocates. She has pretty severe psoriatic arthritis. She's had this for a while, and she has tried a number of drugs, and we all know the names of those drugs, and they have not either been effective for her or she has been allergic to them. She did find one a couple years ago called Remicade, and Remicade was really helping her. It was managing her symptoms well. This all stopped in August when she turned 26 and had to get off of her parents' insurance. She then picked up insurance that was sponsored through her employer, and they did not approve her Remicade treatments and wanted her to try these other drugs that she had already tried and failed on a previous plan. And so she is still spending months and months with these appeals and trying to get this authorization. And in the meantime, her doctor has put her on a high dose of corticosteroids, which in her experience has given her some unpleasant side effects. And they're really not working well. She says the longer that she's on them, the less they work. So she's really frustrated and discouraged. That's a great example of step therapy because she thinks she will eventually be able to get to the treatment that she knows works and that she's been on for years. But before that, the insurance company wants to be sure nothing else works for her. So that's a simple illustration. Step therapy can come in a variety of severity and other ways, but that's just one story that recently came about. That's quite the story. And as you mentioned, step therapy occurs in many ways. So what's currently being done to overcome the use of step therapy? So what's being done to overcome it? In NPF, we work diligently in collaboration with other patient advocacy organizations to pass legislation that establishes guardrails for these step therapy protocols. This is one of our priorities, and we've been instrumental in some of these laws being passed. Currently, I believe it's 29 states have enacted step therapy laws, and there's a number of others considering new step therapy laws or modernizing existing step therapy laws. We use model legislation, and not to get into the weeds on this and just to be brief, but the legislation that sets up these guardrails for step therapy laws are three main things. They establish criteria that would allow for your provider to override a step therapy. It outlines clinical review criteria that the step therapy protocols must be based on, and it creates a timeline for requesting a medical exemption and puts a cap or a limit on how long a health plan has to respond 
to granting a denial or accepting it. So those are ways that we are trying to overcome it. It's important to note that these laws are not bans, but they are guardrails. And in all the stories of step therapy that I've heard, this model legislation that we support and try to put on the books would help people overcome those protocols and get access to the treatment that works best for them and that their doctor has determined works best for them as well. Those are actions that can really benefit so many. Thank you for being a part of the change. Al, you hear from people who call just how frustrating it is to receive an insurance claim denial. Some people take the denial and pay out of pocket, while there are others who can't afford to pay out of pocket or who would just rather not pay. What's the first step to take when someone receives the denial letter? Mm -hmm. That's a great question, and it can be really frustrating to receive that denial. The first step is to determine the reason why your claim was denied. So your plan should send this information to you in writing, but you can also always write a letter or call to ask for more information. The PNC has a couple of good templates for anyone who wants to write to their insurance company. So gather as much information as you can about why your claim was denied so that you can be prepared for the appeals process. It's a great opportunity to ask questions about the materials that you need to submit in order to make your appeal stronger. For our listeners, in case you aren't familiar with the acronym Al just mentioned, PNC, it stands for the Patient Navigation Center, which is the foundation support center that offers information and resources to help you manage your psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. So Sam, once the insurance denial reason has been discovered and it's not a simple mistake or a prior authorization issue, the next step could be the appeals process. How can someone discover what their insurance appeals process is? So there are a couple ways to find out what your appeals process would be. One way would be to review your insurance plan documents, read the fine print as they say, or contact the insurer and request that information. Another way, and I imagine this is a pretty common way, would be if there is a denial, you should receive some kind of correspondence that outlines the reason for the denial. And within that, there should be information about an appeal that would include information about the process, the timeline, any requested documentation, and so on. Thank you, Sam. That's good to know. So, L, should someone make the decision to appeal a denial? How involved is a healthcare provider in the appeals process? And are there resources to help healthcare providers appeal a denial? So each situation is a little bit different, but your provider should really be your partner through the appeals process. For example, if you were denied because your treatment was deemed not medically necessary, your provider would be able to write a letter to document the medical need for that treatment. And that's a great opportunity to mention. Again, I know we have some really good resources for patients and providers through the PNC some good template letters, so definitely reach out. Your provider will be able to speak to your health history and why they prescribed your treatment in the first place. They can be your advocate and determine whether you qualify for an expedited appeals process too, which enables you to get the updated coverage decision from your insurance company faster. I do want to mention this process can take a couple of tries, but don't give up. If you keep trying, the insurance company will know that you're serious. It's such an important message. So for you both, what kind of information is typically needed for an insurance claim appeal? Well, if a provider is writing the appeal letter, it's important to be sure that the provider understands how the severity of your psoriatic disease impacts your quality of life, how it impacts your ability to work, social interactions, self-esteem, and so on. Elle, what else do you think would be needed? 
Yeah, I would say you also want to document the reasons why other treatments wouldn't work as well for you in comparison to the treatment requested. And make sure to give your healthcare provider all the details that are needed per your insurance company's appeals process. And Al, how important is it to document what steps have been taken and what information should someone keep track of? That's another really good question. I like to over-prepare when it comes to documenting a denial, so I would encourage you to keep copies of everything. Keep track of the forms and all of the letters that you've submitted, both you and your provider. This will help in the case that your materials are lost, and if your appeal is denied, you'll have a record of all the steps that you've taken so far. So is it also important to keep track of the name of the person and the date you spoke to that person? Oh, definitely. I would say keep a spreadsheet. I know that sounds like a lot, but the more information, the better, so you can get hold of people that you've talked to. This is all such good advice. And Sam, if someone is not able to resolve their denial issue through the appeals process, are there other resources that can help? Yes. If an internal appeal after a full review of the denial does not resolve the issue, assuming that the appeal was filed timely, all requested documentation was provided, etc., you can file for an external appeal within, I believe it's four months of that denial. All insurance providers are required to have a third-party external review process. Sometimes these are government entities, sometimes they're not. It really varies state to state. States have a lot of flexibility on this. However, there are consumer protection standards federally that do have some oversight of this. So it's hard to really go into it without being state-specific, but I do want to share a few resources here. One would be the Department of Health and Human Services Center for Consumer Information and Insurance Oversight. On that website, they have a list of every state and what those review processes look like and other information pertinent to this. And then you can actually request an external appeal by going to externalappeal.cms.gov. That's externalappeal.cms.gov. Then another one that you should look at that should have robust information on this would be your state's Department of Insurance website. That should have information about the independent review process and about what steps exactly to take. That's certainly valuable information to know. Thank you, Sam. So, Al, how long does it usually take for the appeals process? And what resources can someone access to help with treatments while they await a decision on their appeal? You mentioned earlier it could take a couple tries for a denial to move forward. That's true, unfortunately. So I would say it, it does vary a little bit. You do need to file your appeal internally within 180 days of receiving notice that your claim was denied. After that, you'll receive a written notice from your insurance company within 30 days of submitting your appeal if your appeal is for a service that you haven't received yet and within 60 days for a service if you've already received it. And I know that's a little confusing, but again, got all of these resources if anyone needs them. But depending on whether you go the external appeal route, it can take longer. You might have to resubmit a couple of times. The waiting is definitely one of the most difficult parts of this process, especially when you're trying to access a treatment that you really need. So it's worth asking your provider if they have samples that they can share with you. Many drug manufacturers also offer bridge programs that can help kind of bridge the gap during this time. You can always reach out to the PNC for more information about how to access those programs. That's something I help people with a lot. Thank you, Al. Timing is so important. So Sam, why is it important for someone to share their story with the MPF? 
if, for example, they encounter stop therapy issues? That's an important question. From my perspective on the government relations side of things, I think it's absolutely crucial that we bring the patient voice to the forefront of the debate. It's important that legislators are made aware of the access problems created by step therapy protocols. During a legislative session, legislators have tons of issues that they are working on, and they can't be expected to be fully educated on all the issues. So that's why it's important for patients to tell their stories. It matters. Legislators are the ones that can make the important policy changes, and they would not otherwise be aware of these problems without patient voices. It brings awareness, it educates, and it puts a real face to a real problem. Some effective ways that patients can share their unique stories that I have seen would be letters to the editor, communicating in some way with their state and local or their state and federal representatives. Public testimony is a great way. There are all kinds of regulatory and legislative hearings that folks can speak at. And then if anyone has a story that they want to share or has encountered a problem, I'm sure anyone on our advocacy team would love to help get that story out. Outside of the legislative aspect, I've seen that when a patient tells their story, it really helps other patients as well and creates a community. I, I think it's very, very important that these stories get out there and that they get used to make a real difference for real people. Thank you both for providing such valuable information to help our listeners with insurance styles when they occur. Do you have any final comments you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yes, I would love to just say that the PNC is here to help you if you're going through anything similar to what we were talking about today, or if you just have any questions about, you know, psoriatic disease and treatment options, definitely just reach out. Um, you can call or email us, and we have a lot of good resources that can help with this specific issue. We even have one resource called How to Appeal an Insurance Denial. So we are ready to help. That's great, Elle. And if any patient um, who calls the PNC decides that they do want to be involved in the advocacy process, the PNC can connect you with our team, no problem. And we would love to meet with you and talk with you. One thing that I do want to say is that it is very important that people share their stories. It matters to the legislative process and it matters to other patients. So I've, I've seen a lot of situations where these stories are really well received and make a tangible difference. And then another thing I want to say is that step therapy being a reason for a lot of insurance denials. I just want people to know that NPF is working very hard on this. It is a priority of ours. And daily, we are working on some kind of step therapy legislation somewhere in the country. So we are doing everything that we can do to help people get access to the medicines and treatment that they need. Such good advice. If I face an insurance denial, I know I'll use the information you provided today. Thank you again for being here with us. For our listeners, hopefully this podcast helped answer most of your questions about what to do about insurance denials. But if you still need assistance or have any further questions, please don't hesitate to contact our Patient Navigation Center by calling 800-723-9166 or by emailing education at psoriasis.org. As a reminder, you can now find Soundbite CME episodes at psoriasis.org forward slash CME hyphen library or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And finally, thank you to our sponsors who provided support on behalf of this episode through unrestricted educational grants. 
Crystal Myers-Squibb, Lily, and Jansen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Ghana, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.